Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. If you're applying to medical school in 2023 to start in 2024, and you've looked at Application Academy but aren't really sure if you're ready for it or if it's for you? Well, two things. It is for you, and we're closing to new signups starting April 2nd, so don't miss out. Right now, it's on sale for $100 off, so go check it out, applicationacademy.com. If you're like, what the heck is Application Academy? Well, good question, let me tell you. It is a group coaching offering that medical school headquarters offers. You get sessions, live sessions, every week with me, with Dr. Scott Wright, former director of admissions at UT Southwestern, retired executive director of all of TMDSAS. Like if you're applying to TMDSAS and you wanna hang out with someone who used to run TMDSAS, like what are you waiting for? We have Courtney Lewis, former director of admissions at Burrell College of Osteopathic Medicine. Two former directors of admissions that you get to hang out with multiple hours every week, as well as me, Rachel Grubbs, my co-founder, MCAT test prep expert, and Verenia Granham, who subs for us as well. She is the former pre-health and STEM advisor at Hofstra University. Amazing instructors, amazing group of collaborative students, all wanting the same goal, improving their application and getting into medical school. The group coaching environment is not for everyone. You may not like it. Well, try it out. We have a money back guarantee. Hear what Gage has to say about Application Academy. I'm not a high stat applicant, and uh, well, I, I have a decent MCAT score, but I mean, I have multiple acceptances. I attribute it to the writing, and uh, you know, all of the writing was really edited with Application Academy and Dr. Ryan Gray's advice, and I think that was key to me getting the interviews, and really, that's just a step away from getting the acceptance. So if you're on the fence about getting Application Academy, I highly recommend it. It's worth the money. Do it. We are closing our doors to new signups starting April 2nd, 2023. Go check it out, applicationacademy.com. Go sign up right now before you can no longer do it. The Pre-Med Year, session number 522. Hello, and welcome to The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Welcome to the Pre-Med Years. Thank you so much for today. The great episode for you today. A question that comes up all the time. Can I include talking about some mental health struggles in my application? What will that do? Well, Dr. Caitlin Cooper joins me today to talk about that because her and her team researched that. 
Before we jump in, though, I want to talk about the MCAT Minutes brought to you by Blueprint MCAT. That their free account is worth so much more than what you pay for it. I know, shocker, right? Free account over at blueprintmcat.com. Go sign up for it today. You get access to their half-length diagnostic, which you should be taking immediately. Their full-length, number one, access to their amazing study planner tool, flashcards, and so much more. Go check it out, blueprintmcat.com. Let's go ahead and jump in to our episode with Dr. Caitlin Cooper. Dr. Caitlin Cooper, welcome to the Pre-Med Years. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to chat with you. I think I originally saw what you're up to on Twitter, and I reached out to you there, um, and and I'm lucky enough to have you on the podcast now to talk about some research that you're doing with pre-meds and some, some burnout and mental health stuff and whether or not things maybe should go in an application. But before we jump into there, um, you are a, a PhD doctor not a physician doctor, but you wanted to be a physician doctor at one point and actually made it to medical school. Yeah. What what happened there? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I went through undergrad kind of with blinders on knowing that I wanted to go into med school and I got in and I went and I figured out really quickly that I absolutely hated being in the hospital, <laughs> but loved learning all of the physiology. Yeah. Um, it was just a lot of stress and pressure to think about all of the life and death decisions I would be making and the extent to which I had to kind of rotate through all of these really intensive specialties to be what I thought I ultimately wanted to be, which was a primary care doctor. And so that all weighed pretty heavily on me throughout my first year of med school. Um, and, and while, like I said, I, I loved what I was learning. I loved the people I was meeting there. I ultimately decided to leave because I, I realized that that wasn't ultimately what I wanted to do with my career. So that was a very tough decision to make, but I know it was the right decision for me personally. Yeah. Uh, but it's also been really nice to see a, a bunch of, you know, my friends go through that process and, and become doctors and really enjoy that as well. Yeah, I would love it. If it's okay, I would love to talk about this for a second, because I think it, it comes up a lot with students questioning this process, the process of getting into medical school, and this quote unquote, checklist that they think they have to accomplish for medical schools. And I, I have tried over the years to, to work my language around, like, it's not a checklist. Yes, there are things to do. But don't think about them in terms of what the medical schools want. Think about them in terms of figuring out who you are and what you want. And one of those biggest things I, I, I scream from the rooftops all the time is lack of clinical experience, putting yourself in a hospital setting, putting yourself in a clinic setting, putting yourself around patients where, yes, it, as scary as it sounds, there are these potential life and death situations what do you what do you think it was about your situation where you didn't realize that until it was too late? Like obviously not too late in the grand scheme of things because you can just drop out, but you have a year of debt of of medical school tuition that that is uh, not fun, I'm sure to to be able to 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 need to pay back when when ultimately that's not what you wanted to do. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it was exactly what you said. It was a lack of clinical experience. And I think 10 years ago, there was a lot less emphasis than there is now on the extent to which you should be shadowing and getting 
you know, scribing and getting that clinical experience. But I will say that it was also just being short-sighted on, on my view of things. And I don't come from a family of medical doctors. And so I, I knew there was medical school. I knew there was residency. I didn't have a good grasp on the extent to which you would need to rotate through all of these different high intensity specialties yeah. on the way to becoming what you ultimately want to do. Right. And I wanted to do primary care. And I really liked the idea of getting to establish relationships with patients and have continuity of care and not have these life or death decisions that I was dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis. And I did not, like I said, realize the extent to which I would have to go through of all that, all that on my way to becoming a primary care physician. And I think that um, had I talked to more physicians, right. Had, had I done more research, I probably would have come to that conclusion sooner, Yeah. but I do, you know, I remember Googling like crazy anyone during that year who had had doubts like I had. And there was just absolutely no resources, no examples of people who had left medical school. And so I'm always happy to talk about my journey because I think that, you know, it's it's shameful to leave medical school after you've gotten in. And so I'm happy to kind of share that story and that it all did turn out okay in the end. Yeah, no, it, and it's interesting. You say shameful. I, I think it's it's a win, right? It's 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 a bummer uh to to yeah to go a year into medical school and realize that's not what that's not for you, but it's better than going all four years and, and suffering through medical school and residency and, and not being happy on the back end and slogging through uh, a career in something you don't like. And I'm assuming you're a lot happier now than you were back then. I'm much happier. Yeah. yeah. And I think it, it felt really shameful at the time. And the greatest lesson I learned is that people really don't care about what you do in, in your life. It's your life. And you <laughs> yep. think a lot of people are going to care way more than, than they do. And I think that, uh, you know, to your point, I can't tell you the number of colleagues that I had throughout the years that weddings or times we all got together that would say they're jealous of you i bet that, exactly yep <laughs> that's exactly yeah. it uh, and i think you know once people get talking they are more than happy to tell you that they wish they would have kind yeah. of taken that route or they're envious of what you got to experience kind of leaving and and the bravery i had for actually pulling the plug on that so like i said for some people it's absolutely the right decision they yeah. loved it i don't think they second guessed it at any point along the way but for other people i think uh you know rethinking it is is worth it at, that's at huge time. that's huge yeah. that's awesome well I, i'm glad to have that conversation because i think it it is really important number one to to figure out potentially that the missteps leading up to that decision um, and, and hopefully help give other people some information and, and some knowledge on how to potentially avoid that for themselves. Uh, and, and I'm a huge fan of, of constant course correction, even if you're, you're that far into it, a year into it, uh, there's, there's the fallacy of sunk costs where a lot of people, they're scared to, to give up because they're like, well, I already got this far. I already got this far. <laughs> right? And here I am a, a physician by training. I no longer practice. I completely changed careers based on some health stuff and some other things. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. Right. Uh, it's fun. It's, I'm just living my life. And, and as, as you mentioned, right, nobody cares. Um, I, I have a, a mentor who I look up to who, who always says nobody, like when you're in like high school and you're, you're worried about that big zit you have on your forehead going to school, like everyone's worried about their own zits. They don't care about yours. A hundred percent. Yep. I would say that was a huge just takeaway from it. And as you said, just doing what's right for you and realizing that that sunk cost can hopefully be leveraged into another career opportunity. And that was all 
very hard to realize at the time and when you're going through it, but you're always grateful you you kind of made that course correction, as yeah. you said. So you're a science nerd, and you turn that science nerd uh, passion into being a professor. Talk to me about the the research that you you came upon in terms of medical school admissions committees and their biases potentially towards mental health in an application. How did that come up? Like in the middle of the night during a dream, you're like, I know what I want to do some research on. That certainly is how I get lots of research <laughs> ideas, um, but but not this one. So after medical school, I took a job as an academic advisor in a biology department uh, at a university. And so I counseled kind of hundreds of pre-med students a year. And a lot of, you know, oftentimes I got a question about either a bad grade on a transcript or a semester that they took off. And it was often due to some sort of mental health condition, whether that be overwhelming anxiety, getting diagnosed with depression, bipolar disorder. And they would ask, you know, should I talk about it on my application? And I had an answer to a lot of their questions, but I didn't have an answer to that question because although I wanted to tell them, yes, you should be able to talk about this openly, I couldn't actually ethically say that without any evidence, you know, that that wouldn't negatively affect their application. And so uh, when I became a professor, I started studying the interactions between mental health and how students learn in the sciences. And when I would give talks about anxiety and depression, suddenly those questions would come back and, and students would say, you know, I really struggle with depression, you know, and it really affected some of my undergraduate coursework. Can I talk about this on a grad school or application or can I write it on my med school application? And I, you know, was really taken back that here 10 years later, I still didn't have an answer to that question. And so that's really what inspired us to actually ask this question in a systematic way and explore whether revealing a mental health condition on your med school application would actually hinder or help your chances of getting accepted into medical school. Interesting. So my assumption is, and I, I looked at some of your research, the the paper, my assumption is that you didn't just go to people and go, hey, are, are you biased against people with mental health? <laughs> Because that's probably not the best data. Exactly. Yes. So what we ended up doing is we did what is called an audit study. So we created a fake um, med school application. I actually had a student who was an undergraduate researcher actually applying to med school at the time. So Anna Abraham is the first author on this paper, and she makes one heck of a great fake application to med school, <laughs> let me tell you. Uh, and on this application, they had grades and the student had stellar grades throughout, except for one semester where they got a C plus in organic chemistry and they withdrew from two courses, but the rest of their semesters were excellent. And then we put an excerpt of their personal statement on this, you know, kind of application summary. And in one condition, the student said, you know, I know my grades dropped during fall of 2019, and that was due to a mental health condition. But as you can see, I picked them back up the next semester. Another condition said that the drop in grades was due to a physical health condition. And then the third condition just said, didn't say a word about why there was a drop in grades, just said, I acknowledge the drop in grades. And you can see I picked them back up. And so then what we did is we contacted contacted a um, hundred different folks who sit on med school admissions committees, and we asked them to review one of these three applications. So they were only aware of the application that they were reviewing, and we asked them to rate it on the extent to which they thought the student would be accepted into med school, the extent, the likability uh, of the candidate and the credibility of the candidate. And, and we asked and just them to, to be just to be clear, it wasn't just that one semester's grade that they saw. It was a full application. 
Correct. Okay. And, and we drafted this application to be a relatively competitive candidate. So for these types of studies, you want the person to not be so stellar that they're an automatic shoe in, but you also don't want them to be terrible. So they were, um, we took the um, MSAR and we got what would be the average stats of someone accepted into med school and use that to craft this application so they could see all of their really great grades and then also just this one kind of tough semester. Okay. And my, my question is, it's it's still relying on someone to be honest. How can we make sure that people are honest when they say, oh, yeah, like I saw that this was a student with a mental health issue. I don't want to come across as a as a heartless person. So I'm going to say they're great. Yeah, that's a great question. So there's no way to completely get around that. Right. The, the way that we did it in this particular study is that they didn't know that they were getting a particular condition. So if it talked about mental health, it's not like they knew that this was the mental health one and I'm going to compare it to an application without um, a mental health condition. They just saw that this student chose to talk about a mental health condition. And then when they answered the questions about the likability, credibility, and acceptability of the student, they were just answering on the application as a whole. And so the only differences among the applications were what conditions they revealed, but overall they were evaluating them Um, on the whole. And the other thing we did to try to alleviate some of the bias was that the individuals were completely anonymous when they responded to the survey. So their names, uh, their identities weren't tied to their responses. So it's not like they thought we would judge them for saying, this is a terrible idea to reveal your mental health condition, right? So those were the steps we took, but you're, you're right. There's always kind of that desirability bias of people answering more positively so that they answer in a, in a good light, right? Yeah, that's a, that's always the concern with surveys. Uh, no matter what we're surveying, whether it's like a food diary, like I'm not going to put the junk food that I ate because I don't want people to think I'm I'm a slob or whatever. Like it's just it's uh, one of the challenges with surveys. And and I know uh, I'm in the middle of uh, some survey research now with a, a small team, and it's it's hard. It's hard to do survey stuff. So when when it comes to actually looking at the data and making as much of an objective call as possible to say, okay, we have the data, students, don't worry, talk about mental health all you want. Like, where do we, where do we stand on being able to make claims at this point? Great question. So this was one study uh, with 100 people. So there can always be, there's always room to repeat this study. And I think if we can replicate the findings, we'll be more confident in what we can say. From this study, we can say that there were no differences in how admissions committee members rated med school applications based on acceptability, competence, and likability among the applications that revealed a mental health condition, a physical health condition, and no health condition. And so what it would suggest is that neither revealing nor concealing a mental health condition on a med school application would significantly affect a student's chances of being accepted into the program. But we also collected some open-ended data from these admissions committee members, which was really helpful because it gave us some insight into in what ways these admissions committee members would want to see mental health revealed, like in in when would they want to see someone talking about a mental health condition, and what details would they want to know. And so that gave us some more insight to, to say this with the caveat is they said that it can be really helpful to know about a mental health condition, A, if there is a drop in 
grades or there's something in the performance that's off to explain that because that, that helps them recognize what was going on. And B, if a student is using it to highlight their resilience, right? It's really tough to go through any sort of health crisis and then come back from that. And that speaks a lot to resilience, which we know is one of the core competencies. And then they talked about if you do reveal your mental health condition, you might want to talk about the extent to which it's currently being managed, the severity of your current condition, uh, and the extent to which you anticipate med school negatively impacting your mental health in the future. And I think that those aren't those are personal questions, right? And those yeah. aren't something that you necessarily would want to write about. But I think it gives us some insight into if you do want to mention your mental health, you may want to give the committee that additional information so that they can make that holistic decision. Yeah. Have you thought about it? The one, the one weakness potentially, if you want to call it that, that I, I see with the, the study is that it was one semester, right? Have you thought about replicating it being like a year and a half of, of bad grades, maybe right in the middle or right at the beginning or something like that to, to make it more of a, oh, I really have to think about this now versus it, especially if you went based on kind of MSAR averages, my assumption is those grades were pretty good. Do, do you remember yeah. what the average grades were for the student? Uh, yeah, I can, I can tell you. I think they I had an overall, let's see, a cumulative GPA of 3.71. Yeah. So to me, like I wouldn't even look at one semester as, oh, 3.7, like whatever. You, you had one bad semester, something happened, but uh, book ending it, no issues. I, I'm not even going to question it. Have you thought about replicating it, trying to replicate it in terms of you have a year's worth of bad grades, two years worth of bad grades, and your grades are borderline of like three, five, three, maybe three, six, but, but a little bit lower. Yeah, I think it's a good question. I think we could certainly do that. Like I said, the, the research kind of on these types of studies suggests that the candidate really needs to be really on the fence. And, and the MSAR would tell us that that three, seven, right? Half the time people get accepted, half the time they don't. And, and you'd know more about the stats than I would, but I think that there's a lot of variability to that and things. But we could certainly do a study like that that shows mental health having a longer term impact on, on a student's grades and having it take that GPA in, in a way, right? And they're salvaging it enough to obviously apply and, and hopefully have a chance of getting in. But I think that that's an interesting question. And it would be interesting to see if we would see differences. So that is an important caveat that this was one particular semester. And, and to be honest, as an advisor, that's usually the extent to which I see um, a student who has chosen to apply to med school come, come with this sort of situation. Now, that's not to say there are other people who ultimately made the decision not to apply, right? Because yeah. it had a greater effect on their application overall. Yeah, it, it's interesting. I'm assuming there's, there's some... I don't know the right bias, whether it's selection bias or, or just the, the people that you're exposed to versus the people that I'm exposed to. I usually see more of the extremes uh, mm. of people maybe because they're not in a university anymore uh, who, sure. and they don't have access to a pre-health advisor. Uh, and and there's always, uh, it seems like, a, a much bigger impact in terms of their mental health uh, condition and treatment and everything on their grades. And, and ultimately, yes, right? You, you have to show that you're academically able to handle medical school first and foremost, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And then let's figure out, should we talk about mental health? And, and I, I'd be interested to, to hear your thoughts on this. My general stance has always been, 
there's bias. People have bias, right? We are all human beings. There are human beings reviewing these. And and you may turn in your application and and get in front of someone who had a really crappy day or just has has dealt with students before with your similar situation. And they're just like, I don't want to deal with it. <laughs> See you later. Goodbye. And there's nothing you can do about it. Yes, is that discrimination? Yes, is that illegal? But there's nothing you can do about it, right? Right. Because uh, we can't prove anything, whatever. But there are going to be people who will look at your situation, the same exact application, and go, oh my gosh, look at this person. Look at what they've been through. Look at what they've accomplished. I would love to have this student here. Because they have, anecdotally, a different set of of people that they can look upon and go, we've had very similar students at our school that are hugely successful and more importantly, are resilient, as we talked about, and they can show other students resilience because they've been through it already and they can potentially see signs in other students and and help and be a good part of the community. And so it's it's almost an impossible question to answer when it's like, should I put it in? Should I put it? Should I not? The answer is you need to be true to yourself first and foremost. And potentially one of the things that, that I've talked about is it's, it's maybe a way to weed out schools that aren't going to support you when you do struggle. If yeah. you do struggle, and I say when, because we all struggle in medical school, yes. <laughs> there's no doubt about it. Um, but do you want to be in a situation where you have been truthful to who you are? And so you won't be scared to be truthful when you have any sort of issues during medical school. What are, you, what are your thoughts there? I think that that's a great takeaway. And I think that these data really support kind of that advice, right? And that's really what we wanted to see. Are we, when we give students that advice, are we stacking the cards against them, right? Are they going up a 75% chance that someone is going to say that they're not qualified for their school if they reveal it? And no, that's not at all what we found, right? And to your point, some people said, you know, this is going to be looked at poorly by the committee at my school. And some people said this is going to be looked at positively by the committee at my school. And most of the people said this is going to be looked at neutrally. And I think that you're completely right is that for a lot of people, we're at a time and place where it's going to be really important if this is something you're going to continue to struggle with. And if you look at the numbers, most people are going to continue to struggle with their mental health in their 20s, 30s, 40s, and so on, um, that they want to be open and honest about. I would certainly want a school that accepted me for me, right? With, With that being laid out on the table and knowing that if, you know, I have it well controlled now and things might be great now, but if I get into my third year of med school and I'm, you know, doing different rotations and I get into a place where I'm really not good, I want to come to my school and say, I need some support. I need to take a week off. I need to take a month off. Right. And I need my school to be supportive of that. And so I think that that's a really good point. And it can be a great way to put it out there, see who's accepting of it. And also know that, you know, from the data that we're showing that you're not stacking the cards against you in any way. It's not any better than, than not revealing it. If yeah. you will. So that the data that you've gathered isn't all sunshine and rainbows where everyone says, yeah, not a problem. Go for it. There, there is a spectrum, but in general, the data says not a problem. 
Right, exactly. And we did ask folks, you know, what are some of the concerns about revealing a mental health, mm. you, revealing a mental health condition on your application? And that was really insightful because they said, you know, if there are instances where an applicant hasn't sought treatment or they have a really severe mental health condition or it's going to continue to negatively affect their experience in medical school, those are all concerning to us. And in a lot of ways, you know, it, it begs an ethical question, like, are they right to think that, right? Yeah. They're trying to protect, I think, in a lot of ways, the students from going into what they know to be a really stressful situation. 100%. Um, and I think they're really trying to weigh the odds of, is that candidate going to be successful and happy on this path? And so um, I, I really appreciated that part of the study, because like I said, I think it gives us some insight into if you are going to talk about your mental health on an application, what are things that the committee is going to wonder about that you might be able to head off in a sentence or two based on your personal experience thus far? Yeah, I, I think there are selfish reasons that that committees are asking these questions and self selfless isn't the right word, but but more concerned about the, the student themselves, as you mentioned, right? right. Uh, is the student going to be okay during this process? And yes, the, the school is judged on are students graduating in four years? Are they graduating at all? And and so during accreditation processes, the schools want to make sure that they are accepting students who they believe are going to make it through medical school uh, in as clean of a path as possible uh, because they get judged on that. And so they're trying to protect you, yes, and they're trying to protect them. And I think that's okay. It's okay to, to know that. Yeah, and protecting you is ultimately protecting them, right? Yeah. <laughs> if, if they're going to protect your mental health and your experience, then they're ultimately going to protect their retention rates, et cetera. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So we come to the end and the answer is still out there that every student, here's here's another another struggle that I see with students is, is every student thinks that their situation is unique. And great, there's this study out there and it's one study, yes, and hopefully it's it's reproducible. And it is okay to talk. It's, it's mostly neutral to talk about mental health. But a student's going to come, but what about my specific situation? <laughs> my situation is X and then Y and then Z. How do we get students to try to, to figure out for themselves without, I mean, great, go to your pre-med advisor. But how do we get them to start thinking for themselves if this is something that they want to put in their application? And then if they do, how much of their application should it take up? Right. I think those are really good questions. And, you know, like like you mentioned, kind of from the beginning, I'm a very data driven person. And so I think that our study gives some insight into that, which, you know, asking two questions, which is, has my mental health affected my application in a way where the committee would benefit knowing about my mental health condition? And that would explain one particular aspect, whether I left, you know, an extracurricular early or I had a couple of bad semesters with my grades. And or has my mental health condition been integral into building one of the core competencies that I want the medical schools to know that I have built? And, and I think resilience is the most common core competency that struggling through a mental health condition and learning how to get that condition controlled will build. Mm -hmm. And if your answer to one of those questions is yes, um, then I think that you want to think about 
what are the other, you know, what else does this med school want to know about your mental health condition in order to really see that you have recovered, that you have it under control for the time being, and that you think that you are going to be more than fine going through this career path with this particular condition? And I think, you know, if you can answer those kind of questions pretty succinctly, then then that's a good start. Um, but I also think that, you know, there's a lot to be said to thinking about how much time you want to spend on the core competency of resilience. And that may be the entire theme of your essay, right, of your personal statement. And if that's the case, then maybe you want to spend a long time unpacking that. Um, but you certainly don't want to unpack something if you're not addressing one of those specific questions. That that would be my opinion, at least what we're gathering from, from these data. Yeah. What final words of wisdom do you have for for a pre-med student on this journey, maybe afraid uh, about revealing, talking about, uh, seeking help for any struggles that they may be having? I'm actually very encouraged by this study. I went into this study thinking that we would find a bias against mental health. Um, and again, because we did this in an audit study fashion, that they would just rate people who talked about mental health lower than people who talked about a physical health condition or no health conditions. And we didn't see that. Um, and so what that tells me is that that's a really good sign that we're moving in the right direction as a medical community and as a nation in terms of destigmatizing mental health. And we know that mental health is struggling with mental health is really, really common. So I think that that would be my piece of advice is that know if you've struggled with mental health through this pre-med pro process, you are not alone and you're in very good company, whether or not you're going to talk about it or not. But it also um, makes me really encouraged for the future, right? These folks are all going to become the physicians of tomorrow. And then we're hopefully going to see um, not only this, this bias be eliminated, but it being really encouraged to talk about things like mental health so that it can be addressed in time so that we don't see people leaving med school because they didn't get the help that they needed. So I think, yeah, my two cents would be know that you're not alone if you have struggled with mental health in your pre-med process. It is extremely common and it's known to be disproportionately common among pre-med students. Um, and that this is actually really encouraging to find out that that we're not seeing biases against mental health, especially if you're able to talk about it in a way and highlight the ways in which you've been positively affected because not a lot of people um, have lived through something by the time they're applying to med school that's really built resiliency. And, and being able to speak to that is, is certainly something that would make you unique, I think, and um, highlight that you're maybe more mature than some of the other candidates that have come in and not had to um, grapple with a particular health condition, figure out how to get it controlled and, and go through that process. All right, there you have it. So uh, to, to round out here, and I, I mentioned this to Dr. Cooper before, uh, before I, I ended the call with her, I have some, some questions about this research. Number one, my biggest question, my biggest concern with this research is that how they presented this student with mental health struggles was still a very, very, very strong student. They didn't change the stats. They didn't show a really bad semester. It was still like a three, seven something GPA student. It wasn't like this student really struggled. And how they presented the mental health struggle and and did the reader see it and were they bothered by it was like one line in a personal statement. And so 
I would prefer to see something a little bit more. Maybe in the disadvantaged essay, do they present mental health struggles in the disadvantaged essay, which as we're recording this, the disadvantaged essay theoretically is going away and it's being replaced with other impactful experiences essay, which I, I applaud that change. But I would love to see more because most students aren't just writing a sentence potentially about their their struggles. Most students because of their struggle, have less than a 3.7 GPA, right? From a stat perspective, they're a little bit lower. And so what does that look like? So I would love for Dr. Caitlin Cooper and her team to keep pushing forward with this research, try different angles, push the envelope in terms of how students are talking about their mental health in their application, and then see where the biases potentially pop up. I hope this was helpful for you. Please, please, please go check out blueprintmcat.com. Sign up for that free account today. I hope you have a wonderful day. We'll see you next week here on The Pre-Med Years. This is MedEd Media.